Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 29 of History on the Table. Rich, Historic Fest is over. It is. I've, har- I've hardly touched a war game since. I know, it's crazy. I think... I mean, this time of year, it's just, it's always busy. You know, kids are going back to school. You got all the end of the summer stuff. And we sort of, you know, just had that great gaming weekend. We all had so much fun. And I even, like, as I left Historic Fest, I'm like, yeah, I need to go play some next door immediately. But <laughs> I haven't played anymore since then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a combination of, like, the whole week after, I just needed, I didn't feel like anything. I think we were... We were talking about picking up the Victory Game Civil War. Uh, we finished our U.S. Civil War game, uh, our little four-player game, and yeah. we had talked about starting that up. And I was like, "Guys, I am, <laughs> I am not ready." And then I've just been busier than. So it's been a combination of no drive, like a little bit of burnout, and also we're just super busy. We're about to go on vacation. I'm just trying to. It's always more work to go on vacation than it is to not go on vacation. Yeah, well, doubly so for you. I mean, you actually had to work at the con. All I did was attend it. Although, to be fair, I, I about played, I almost played everything I wanted. Which there is was, cool. There were, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I so playing some stuff. I got plenty of stuff in, uh, and we're going to talk about that. So we had a featured game, which is going to be spoiled. Um, now, if you're a patron of the show, you already know what game we were planning on doing. You can check out our Patreon, History on the Table Patreon. You can join and vote on a game and join on chats, and I'll buy you a beer at next year's convention, all that good stuff. Enough about that, though. Uh, so we're going to push back this month's featured game, and we're just going to do a Historic Fest recap. We've got a bunch of listener questions, not a bunch, but we've got a few, and then uh, there was a GMT update put out this morning, so yep, they we'll all, just hang they out. They always put it out the day we record. Yep, it's bizarre. <laughs> so we're just going to hang out. We're going to have some drinks. Do you have a drink? I do. It is a Godfather. <laughs> Which... I mean, that's the official drink of Historic Fest now, yeah. I gotta say. Minus the cherry. I didn't have any cherries. Oh, see, the the dirty cherries are what makes Yeah, those. I guess maybe we'll call it like a Fredo or something. Very <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I'd say the official drinks of Historic Fest are the Godfather introduced to us by Mike, and then, like, Adam's Moonshine are the have got to be the drinks. Yep. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to kick back. I am drinking a uh, Martin City Anniversary Abbey Ale. So they have an Abbey Ale, and then this year, uh, as part of this like anniversary, they took their Abbey Ale, which is Belgian Ale, and it's like an imperial version of that, and it's just good and good. Yeah, I went out to dinner with some friends last night, and uh, the the beer list was, was, was pretty lacking, but, you know, like... I was I was definitely missing the uh, the Martin City beer list for sure, but I couldn't even get like Civil Life or anything. So, oh, well, uh, we'll have to talk a little bit about Martin City maybe during our uh, recap. But uh, let's go through all the other stuff. Should we should we talk about some games? Yes, because I got new games. That's a that's a change. Tell me about them. Uh, well, one they got is Panzer's Last Stand, which mm. is the latest in the BCS series, and. It Battalion is. Combat Series. Yeah, um, by MMP. Um, so I've been... Uh, and this one's... it. Man, I wish I could know when I pre-ordered it, because it feels like it was just this year. It feels like it was a really quick turnaround on this one, which is nice, because I'm looking forward to playing this. I've been wanting to play some BCS. It's one of those uh, series that's been on my list. I've kind of played around with it, but never really jumped into it. But 
anything Hungary, I'm going to jump both feet in. So I've got it set up on my table right now. It's four big, beautiful maps, and I can't wait. Rich, are you hungry for Hungary? I am. I am hungry. Yeah, I was going to try to make another joke, but yeah, yes, I'm starving for Hungary or I'm hungry for hung. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so mine's on the way. And I think I think to answer your question, I think the cutoff was this year. Okay. I think it's been there for a while. I ordered that uh, one like as soon as they announced it, though, because hmm. like, I mean, honestly, anything Hungary, if it looks mildly interesting, I'm going to get it. I'm uh, I'm doing some digging real quick. Let's see who 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 maintains our show notes because, OK, 2021 anticipated game list. Got to got to go back here. Was this on either of our lists? I don't think so. I don't think so. Which is surprising because I, I thought for sure it'd be on yours. Uh, yeah. my, so mine's in transit. I was I must have been late. I must have ordered at the, the cutoff, but I'm looking forward to this. It'll be a nice chance to I mean, BCS, if, if you've listened to the show, it's it's just another one of those games like oh, I got to get back to it. Got to get back to it. Um, and here's the chance to do it. So cool. Yeah. Have you opened it up yet? I do. It's it's set up on my table right now. I haven't punched the counters yet, but I'll do that this week. Nice. Uh, cool. Anything else? Um, I got Tenenberg, which is uh, yeah. You remember the SPW games? They all they've got like the red and yellow boxes, and there was a whole World War One series called Der Weltkrieg or something. Our German listeners are currently throwing things at their. <laughs> computer but um yeah so i've been interested in the series for a while there's several games in the series um they've got basically every front well i don't think they do any of the asian stuff but you know like every european asian front of world war one um but i just got the introductory game tannenberg mm-hmm. single battle it was like 20 bucks or something from their website so it's it's small just to kind of see if you like the series um obviously after going to kc and going to the world war one museum and everything i'm super interested in world war one even more so than normal so i thought i'd pick this up because i want to i want to give this a try and tannenberg is a fascinating battle also so oh, i agree with that um and i had some interest in this game it's just i ended up giving it away to someone like on an order that bought something from me yeah not a knock against it it's just like i don't know world war one gaming in general isn't very appealing to me yeah like i I totally get that i think the early stuff is better though because the early stuff is more dynamic sure and this is is like the first major battle on the eastern front so yeah and this is uh i don't know if you've like looked at the rules yet but this series has where like each hex side is a different piece of terrain right um and they make it work like the map still looks good but when you hear that you kind of think huh like but um yeah it's it's kind of weird yeah so that's the two i picked up yeah i don't um now i did get some stuff at the con uh bayonets and tomahawk okay uh i didn't have a copy of 1846 uh so i grabbed a copy of that so bayonets and tomahawk is the new game from gmt i think we talked about it a couple weekends ago french indian war yeah, really you, interesting you played map. it last time i think I had played it and then I bought a copy from Mitch that he delivered at the con because okay. I liked it so much. And I think Rex and Mitch played a copy. And I'm there, I'm going to drop. There's a I'll I'll probably mention first names from the con. It's just this was a game that was played at a con, and it's just it's the map perspective is just kind of interesting on the game. I really like it. Yeah. 
There was also that that Hollenspiel Pacific game. I know that was play to win, and I saw you playing it. I didn't see anyone uh-huh. else play it. Did you get that or? No. Uh, so some other people did check it out, okay. and then I didn't want to keep it for myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll talk. I wanted to mention that game. I'll have to look up what the actual name of it was. Um, and then the, off of Adam, I bought a copy of is it PQ seventeen? Something Which like is, that. Yeah. I had, it's like that's right. I picked up a game from Adam too. I got Bloody April from him, so that's another. Oh, one. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Which is the um, that's the World War One like Red Storm and, and stuff, right? Yep, that it is. And I haven't played it yet, but yeah, yeah. So um, PQ seventeen is just uh, is maybe not the type of game I'd always go for, but it's um, it's like Norwegian Sea, so it's all the geography is what's interesting to me. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It came out from GMT like 10, 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, it's It's got blocks and counters. I don't know anything about it other than Adam had a copy, and it was a part of the world I enjoyed, so there you go. Yeah. I know you're into the uh, the Nordic realm. Yeah, it's really just the Finns, I think. <laughs> maybe it's all Nords. Who knows? Uh, but that's kind of it for me. It's been uh, been quiet, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, all three of the games that I've picked up in the last month, I haven't played yet. So Panzer's yeah. Last Stand, I'll definitely have some play of that by the next time we record. Nice. Yeah, you know, I if you go back, gosh, it'd have to be like episode one or two or something like that was my thoughts on the BCS rules. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to reading the rules in Panzer's Last Stand to see if I feel any different about them. Now, did you play, did you play last, last Blitzkrieg a couple years ago, or did you play Beyond the Rhine? No. Uh, oh, at, at Donkey, at Donkey Kong? Kong? yeah. Uh, Beyond the Rhine. Okay, okay. The BCS play, I played the first Africa game for BCS. Okay. Um, Baptism by Fire? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I played that one a little bit too. That's, that's the only one that I've really can consider played, not just sort of pushing around counters and, learning i just looked over at my mmp shelf and there's there's no spots for bcs in uh ocs share shelf and that's going to have to change because there's no spot for well i don't OS. have room for panzer's last stand but it's on the table but what i could do <laughs> is i've got my simonich games with my ocs and bcs games so i could move those to a different shelf yeah sounds like you'll need to <laughs> uh good uh let's talk about some books yeah um I do want to. So you Let's talk about a non- book. <laughs> yeah, right. We usually save the uh, non-historical stuff for the back half of the show after most of you drop out. Uh, I just wanted to check in. Are you are you still doing uh, Old Gods of Appalachia? Yes, uh, and we haven't made it super far into it just because we've been busy with other stuff. But we are still listening to it. My wife and I are both loving it. Yeah, and we're also nice. listening to. We listen to a little bit of. Um, Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology as well. It's great. It's yeah, fun. Really good. And then with the little one, I'm listening to Lord of the Rings with her. Do you like um do you like Gaiman's do you like him as a narrator? Yeah, so far so good. I mean I'm okay. we're pretty early into it, but my wife has already heard that whole one and we're listening to it together now. But most of the time she's like, I'd rather listen to old gods just because neither of us have heard that. Have you read or listened to Ocean at the End of the Lane? No. Okay, he wrote it and he narrates it, and it's probably like five hours. Okay. It's not super long. I loved it. Like, it's it's about this little boy and, and 
did you ever read the Ray Bradbury book um, about the carnival? That's gonna drive me nuts. That doesn't. And sound they made familiar. a movie. They made a movie about it. I don't uh, think so. Something, some, something wicked this way comes. Oh, okay. I mean, I've heard that sort of as an expression, but I haven't read that. So it's it's all the, it's a it's a coming of age story. Like it's about these boys struggling, I think, with like transitioning to be teenagers, and like it plays with like aging weird. It reminds me a lot of something Wicked This Way comes. They're completely different stories, but I got the same feeling from it. Anyways, if you're liking Norse mythology, or if anyone, if you like Neil Gaiman, um, which I I haven't read a ton of Neil Gaiman stuff, so anyways that's besides the point i really liked ocean at the end of the lane like i gave it five stars it was super good yeah cool all right let's let's talk about historical stuff so we're reading the same book yes which is which to is, like by sort of by accident but not really right and this is going to give away our uh next month's game and that's washington's crossing by david hackett fisher mm-hmm. uh which is neither of us are done with it so far um and we were talking before we started recording about how we're both really enjoying it. I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both like it. Yeah. And if you had approached me ahead of time and said, hey, here's here's a book about, um, you know, Washington crossing the Delaware and a bunch of stuff on the Revolutionary War. And it also, like, dives into the composition and history of all these different regiments on both sides of the war. I was like, well, I don't really care that much detail but it's written in a manner that like i do find it interesting to learn about this particular regiment from pennsylvania you know made up of quakers or or something like that and how they elected their um their officers and that type of thing it's it dives into a good amount of detail but it's very well written so it's interesting at that yeah detail level totally agree when i when i picked it up at first i mean honestly a hundred percent of the reason i bought it is because it had the same name as the game that we're playing so i'm like eh, i know it's going to at least cover that so i kind <laughs> of expected something shorter and more focused on the actual crossing but i'm maybe halfway into the book and we're not there yet i mean we're still in i want to say we're in november but really we've sort of cut away to talk about like Cornwallis and some of the other um actually I think the last chapter I read was about General Lee who is just fascinating it's a lot of stuff I never knew about his capture and stuff like that so I'm in, I'm enjoying it and I haven't made it to the stuff in the game yet at all so I um I picked that book up from an old ham tag video oh okay um because Judd Vance and I've mentioned this before has recommended this book as like a, here's a book to read with these five war games. You know, their whole thing was top five and it just stuck with me because it had the same name. Right. And I, I, I started to read this either early last year or early this year. I don't remember when, uh, it's good. And it's both good as an audiobook, and I have it in print. So I, I'm kind of doing both. Nice. Uh, good book all around. Yeah, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. As soon as I finish it up, I think I'm going to switch over. I've got some on my Amazon list. I'm going to order one of them about the Battle of Budapest. There's a couple. I'm not, I haven't decided which one I'll do yet, but yeah. Nice, nice, nice. It's nice uh, having the map, you know. Yes. That you can look at, and because I mean, I've never, Always. I've never been to Trenton, so I don't really know the area that well. Um, sure. Totally agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn. <laughs> um. Nice. Uh, so what I what we'll we'll talk about our war games next. We're gonna save all the historic fests for its own section. Um, I have not been playing any war games uh, since historic fests, and I don't. 
I think we squeezed in a recording right before we did the convention, so I don't think I have anything to report. What about you? Um, I haven't been playing a whole lot, but I did start my... I think I started it before our last recording, but I'm continuing my historical ASL Red Barricades campaign. Nice. So we played, we play, we skipped one week because he actually had an ASL tournament that weekend and he was just, he wanted to play, but you know, family matters and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's like you played all weekend and now you're going to play Monday too. Um, so usually we play on Mondays and we play a full turn every Monday. So a couple hours, you know, for us to play the whole thing and chit chat and everything. But I mean, we're having a blast. It's just, it's so much fun. I mean, it's, it's everything that you expect in an ASL game that takes place in Stalingrad. I mean, the buildings are burning. The artillery is coming down. Um, I haven't bought, neither of us have done anything with any sort of air power, which is in ASL, but I don't, I've never I've only played with it once and not extensively. So, um, but I mean, it's fun. I mean, my Germans are coming in. A lot of conscripts are dying, but you know, he'll get some good rolls. His mortars will light my guys up because they tried to cross the street with no cover. So it's, it's just so much fun. It is. ASL is fun. Yeah. And we're going to talk about ASL. I, <laughs> I squeeze in some ASL at Historic Fifth and I'm really glad I did. Uh, so, we well, let's do the war game game and then we'll we'll talk historic fest stuff but i did want to drop a little plug here if you're interested in how richard's red barricades game is going if you want to see visual evidence and the status of his game you can join our discord server where Absolutely. we talk tactical games uh drinks train games sports or um Adam and Jason been talking about Doom Patrol. So, you know what? There's all kinds of stuff. Just ask us on our Facebook page or um, ask someone who's on there. We'll get you an invite and all that kind of stuff. So, good. Ready for the War Game game? Oh, you can go and brag or uh, share your disappointing score of the War Game game because Mitch Land yes. is always the top score. Okay. I don't know why, but I get a good feeling. I'm going to nail it on the first one this time. Wow. Okay. I would be I'm very with- surprised. Operation Shoestring. No. Okay. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's a game that like came up on a couple different forums that it looked like it. Like it came up separately <laughs> on two different like forums that I'm on. So I'm like, that'd be a good one for him to pick. <laughs> I can't, I, I don't know. I did a, I did a GMT game last time. Yeah. So, and that looks like a, a Gene Billingsley game. So, all right. So Although it does I'm, look interesting. So I got a free clue out of you though. It's not a GMT game. You sure game. did. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, folks. Uh, Clue number one. So the point of the game is Rich has 10 guesses to get the games and you subtract from 10 the number of clues he's getting for a maximum score. So Yeah, and usually I know it on the first one, but I don't want to make you guys feel bad. So Right, that'd be a really short game. (laughs) All right, uh, this game was published in 1982. Oh, for crying out loud, 82. I was nine years old, man. Hey, I'll tell you. And Central America. No, no. good guess. All right. uh, I will tell you that you have played this game. Okay. And maybe that's too big a clue, but I you've played this. All right, good. It was designed, it was published by the Avalon Hill Game Company. Vietnam, 65 to 75. No, that'd be too obvious. Features art by Charles Kipler. Oh, Avalon Scott- Hill. Anyway, that was that was Victory Games that did Vietnam and Central America. Okay, Charlie yeah. Kipler did the art. 
with W. Scott Moore's Dale Schaefer and Chris White. Empires in Arms? Nope. No. All right. Designed by Richard Hamblin. Hamblin. See, now I'm feeling bad because I know that name. Like, uh, it's... It's one of those things where you can feel it and like it's like that itch in the back of your head, but you know it's not quite there. So Avalon Hill, 82, Richard Hamblin. I've got to say Richard Hamblin has a very impressive design resume which we will talk about afterwards i'm sure he does but if i looked him up i'd be cheating so well there's only 11 games (laughs) uh but what a broad spectrum and i don't know i think whether you're a game player or you're a war game player i would be willing to bet you almost certainly have heard at least heard of one of these games yeah like i said i can listen to dice when when i hear his name i can definitely i got that itch that i that i know i know i've got it okay i don't know next clue okay um, I would say that if you had to pick a scale for this, that it is uh, very tactical, very zoomed in. Very tactical. Interesting. Yep. It's a tactical Avalon Hill game from 82. Is mm-hmm. it, uh, is it called Gunslinger? Holy hey, smokes. Hey, I got ding, it. Ding, 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 nice. ding. Dang, we didn't even get to the good clues. <laughs> nice pull. I love it. Yeah, so Gunslinger is a uh, it's I I say tactical, but really you're playing one yeah, individual sure. Wild West gun shoot, and it's every round is just like a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, such a fun uh, game. And you can play it just like as a wacky shootout, or like you can almost play it like a, a mini campaign with like character progression. Mm-hmm. And it's it desperately needs a reprint because the price absolutely is, uh, and that's one that I like every time. You know, you'll see that on BGG or Facebook or whatever. Like, what game really needs a reprint? That's always on my short list of games that really need a reprint. It doesn't need a rework. Yeah, okay, maybe like the rules, but like the the base gameplay doesn't need to be changed. Like, leave it as the tactical. Like, you have different guns you can use and pick. Mm-hmm. Like, you can even get you can throw tomahawks or stab right. people or use a like a hunting rifle or a revolver, obviously, or yeah. a shotgun. And there's a lot of strategy involved in it. <laughs> and, and not only strategy, but there's there's like player to player playing. Like you know, oh, you want to shoot him because he's more of a threat to you, while I sneak up behind you or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm on a big kick of, and we're gonna talk about this later. Like the one thing I've been playing is, uh, I had my my brother and a couple buddies over. We played uh, Commander, which we talked about at a historic fest. The the most fascinating thing about Commander with me is the bullshit politicking, which. <laughs> Also is going to come up in some other games we're talking about with the PAX series. Like, like I am really getting a lot out of like player interaction in, and it's making me want to go back to like space empires or something like that and really lay on the politicking because I think that is something that you do miss in like ASL. Like there's no politicking. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm I'm currently playing, I'm, I'm always playing a game of Here I Stand on Vassal, so I don't uh-huh. even mention it just because I've always got one going. But this one, it's been going for a while. We're in like turn six now or something like that. And and I'm just, I'm absolutely 100% failing more than any other game of Here I Stand that I've ever played at getting the players to play each other. Like, I'm playing France, the Habsburgs and England are both attacking me, and the Ottomans 
and the Habsburgs have not fought one time the entire game. Wow. I'm like, dude, you have to attack him. <laughs> I can't get him to do it. Well, yeah, pick it up. Yeah. You, you gotta come you gotta bribe him somehow or something. I know, something. I tried. I, I tried. We even we're even allied right now just because I've got that card that gives us each a card draw if we're allied, but he's still they're just they're sitting right outside uh yes. Vienna. Like he's got like like a stack of twenty guys outside Vienna, but he's not attacking. Pacifist. <laughs> All right, before before we get uh let's talk Richard Hamblin. Uh so uh Arab Israeli Wars. You may have heard of that. Yep. Fortress Europa. Yeah, that's a big one. I've got that one on my shelf too. Here's one that I've always wanted to play. I, by the way, I almost gave you Dragon Pass, <laughs> um, which I desperately want to play. But Magic Realm. Yeah, someone played that at an evening game at Donkey Kong a couple of years ago. I remember. Oh, I would love to play that. And then here's the one that I was going to say. If you listen to, so the other two war games that people may know are, uh, well, the big one is probably Victory in the Pacific. So is that? Did uh did Mark Herman redo that or is that a totally separate game? Uh it's a totally totally separate game. Okay. I think someone is redoing that. Okay. But I, I could be wrong about that. Um the if you listen to the Dice Tower, the game you will know from him most is Merchant of Venus. Yeah. Which is Eric Summer's favorite game. And then he's got he's got a couple uh, he's got a bull run and then something called the Great Con game. But I mean, just those those four or five games themselves are quite the impressive resume. Great con game. Oh, this looks like another like fantasy game of sorts. Doesn't have very good reviews though. So there you go. Yep, Gunslinger was a pick. Nice job, Richard. Yeah. Well, everyone got at least a five. So. Nice. All right. So I, I'm the floor. I'm the worst you can do. <laughs> you will always be the floor. So. But there may be a time when you're also the ceiling. Yeah, I was I was feeling good about that Operation Shoestring. I well, <laughs> I, I won't tell it on there. But one time I set the uh, I set the curve in a meteorology class, which may sound impressive, but it was one of the easiest classes I ever took in college. <laughs> and now now I'm telling the whole story. So buckle up, folks. We're gonna talk historic fest and we're gonna just a little bit. And the 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 guy that taught it was actually the weatherman uh, in the town I went to college. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is the hardest one. And it was all, it was really just reading charts, which is what it boils down to. It was not hard, I assure you. And Betty's like, yeah, this is the, this is the hardest one. And like the floor, the curve is usually pretty low. And it was always like a hundred point test. And I got a 98. Yeah. <laughs> and he passed the test results out. And he's like, guys, I'm really sorry, but the, uh, the curve was set at 98. <laughs> and then my best friend, Pete Wilcott, oh, I don't need to drop his name, but like just looks over at my test and then like tells everyone, <laughs> like, Oh, look at me. So then I went home and he would come over and like, uh, He'd have beers at the fraternity house and stuff. And so I framed and mounted my 98% <laughs> meteorology test. I'm, anyways, that's all it is. Uh, okay, so someday you'll set the curve, Richard. Someday. Don't don't get discouraged. But nice nice guess. I thought for sure it was uh, going to throw you for a loop. I knew that you played it was yeah. too big a clue. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's on my short list of games that I would love to see reprinted because such a fun game yeah i bought a copy and most of it is in fantastic shape but they laminated the cards which yeah. then caused the cards to yellow like they oh, laminated yeah. them probably like 30 years ago right yeah and, and games that old i mean if you've if you any game that old like the component quality is always going to be like 
you know, the cards are like perforated cardboard. Oh, yeah, but the stuff that they didn't laminate is in, like, yeah, almost perfect shape. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk Storkfest. So, Storkfest, uh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, just broad overview. So, uh, we had 47 people shine up, sign up, um, which that was my goal. So, 50 really was my goal. Um, a little bit shy. Not everyone showed up, which is fine. Everything was cycling back up with COVID. I get it. Um, yeah, one of our local guys didn't show up, and I asked him about it afterwards, and he said he had car problems, so he really wanted to be there. Oh, well, that's – what was interesting is, like, the people that didn't show, and I think by the end of the con there was maybe, like, six people that didn't show. Like, eventually everyone yeah. or everyone else showed up. Um, it's like, I didn't even hear from them. Right. Which, which I just find interesting, which is a bummer. I hope uh, I hope they make it out next year. Uh, so we had 47 people. I wanted to keep track of everything that was played, but that did not happen. Yeah, that'd be tough. It, it would be tough, but I thought it'd be small enough like, oh, here's, here's a report, how many last 100 yards games were played, how many SL games were played, all that kind of stuff. Um, overall, I, th- I think most people had a, had, had a very good time. Uh, I'm very happy with the turnout. Lots of, lots of good drinks, good, good memories. And I thought what we would do is you and I both played enough games as we just talk about those games, not do a full depth review uh, of anything per se. Nothing's going on the list. Uh, but I guess just talk about our experience. Sound good? Sure. So one game I played is already on our list and that's Imperial struggle, which is the first game I played at the convention, which was, Actually, Greg from the Hamtag videos uh, was a fantastic teacher of of uh, every game I played with him. Actually, he did a refresh on Dune Imperium, and then he taught the rules to me. A Imper- struggle. It was fantastic. Is I that the first game time you played it? I had briefly pushed the counters around, but okay. then determined that I really didn't know the rules well enough. Yeah, I haven't played it in a few months, on. and that's actually one. I don't think I think I was setting up my game when you were playing it, so I didn't see you playing it. But I've been—that's one that's sort of been on my mind lately that I want to play again. You know, uh, so just for end of the year spoilers, that I know we've—I've set this arbitrary rule that things need to go up like or down two spots to be up for adjustment, just so we don't nitpick everything. Mm-hmm. Imperial struggle is right below Segihara. I want to play it more, but I think it could be higher. I don't know how much higher, but probably even better than Axis Empires. Mm. I really liked it. Yeah, it was fun. And I think it's it's nice in a... I like the actions I'm taking. Um, the game is gorgeous. You don't have to memorize cards. What what you, All you really need to be aware of is this is how things score. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what's actually important. Um... I don't know. I just think it's a game like you could spend a lot of time on and get really good at and also get enough like variation for repeated plays. I really liked it. Yeah, I think that game has a wide appeal from I don't want to say casual, um, but you can, you know, you can hop into it if you're not super competitive. But I think that it actually would work as a competitive tournament type game if that's what you're into. Oh, sure. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, and just in case, I guess we should have mentioned just in case this is uh, the 2020 game from GMT, designed by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews, who designed Twilight Struggle. It's their follow up game, a very different game, very different experience than uh, Twilight Struggle. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. I don't know if I really need to. It covers, uh, well, it covers this seven years war, right? That whole period. Yeah, it right? covers uh, two or three hundred years of history. I mean, leading up to basically the French Revolution. Is it that long? I think so. I mean, I think it goes. Oh, a hundred years, hundred years. Okay, for well, so we were like in the middle between us because I thought seven years, and you said a couple hundred, uh, almost a hundred years, huh? Yeah, okay, well, so it's, got, it's got four wars in there. It's got yeah, it's got the War of Austrian Secession, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution. And there's another one too, uh, Spanish Succession. Spanish Succession. Yeah. Yep. There you go. 1702 through 1783. Okay. Yeah. Liked it. Liked it a lot. And you're not you're not fighting fighting those wars. It's it's very much a it very much leans Euro. Like I'm not even gonna debate that. Um, yeah. But it's good. It's interesting. I mean, you talk about the wars though, because my wife, who's not a war gamer. I mean, that's sort of the appeal for her is that you have to prepare for the wars, but you don't actually fight them. Yes. Yes. So now um, after you talk about that, so Rich is going to talk about next work on once you're done. I've got some ideas for next work on next year, but why don't, why don't you tell <laughs> us about your experience with next work on? Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, we played a combined three games. We played next war Vietnam, next war Taiwan and next war Korea. So, it was fun. Absolutely fun. Um, the games work together well. Um, basically, each three, each of the three games on the land war more or less plays its own game. Um, the sea war is what sort of ties them all together. So there's sort of certain phases where you just need to line up the games and say, okay, w- we are at this phase and we need you to catch up or, or whatever because we need to know, you know, in order to gain, know who's in control of the sea zone, stuff like that. Um, I think the one big mistake we made is that the next war Korea guys who have the biggest land war to play were the least experienced in the group. And that's fine. I mean, we sort of knew that going in, but if, if we had things to do differently, I might've changed that. Next war Korea is my favorite in the series, but because I had never played Taiwan, I wanted to play that game and I had a great time, but, it did slow everything down having the newbies play next war Korea. But other than that, I mean, it, it honestly, it was a great time. We played, uh, I mean, really we played that game from, you know, nine o'clock in the morning to 5 PM every day for the most part with, with no, you know, lunch break or something like that, but we didn't play any other games and we played two full turns on the, uh, the Taiwan and the Vietnam game, uh, Korea, those guys got one full turn in and then they just kind of picked it up and they said, okay, that's enough for us. So, yeah. Good. Well, I think, so what I would, what I think I would do differently is, um, so in the, in the summer sizzler for the ASL, like, um, people could pick up points with the, with the theme being summer sizzler for Mm -hmm. basically setting things on fire. (laughs) And so then I thought about, okay, well, how can I, cause one of the, like, I don't want to speak for him, but I think one of the new guys I was checking out next war Korea, like really probably got thrown into the deep end. I think he's a perfectly capable gamer, but I think, I think his experience as a whole would have been better off with just the standard game and a smaller experience rather than been thrown into kind of a learning game with like six people, three people on each side. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't enjoy it, but I just think like, just as an example, his experience would be better. So what I thought is, what if we what if we break it up and 
people can play as much as little next war as they want and they contribute points to the respective side so you'd, you'd be tied to a side for the weekend as you play but let's say you you knock out an entire unit or an hq unit or shoot down you know a piece of aircraft that one of the sides bought or something like that mm-hmm. and that picks up points for your side yeah, I mean, and that, then that could work. if you play a standard game, you know, you're going to play for four hours and then you move on and you do something else for the convention. But like you're still participating and adding something to the overall deal and then, you know, come up with a little prize for like the winning side. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that could work. Because I think I, I think, think I know prob- who you're talking about from the the Korea game. There was there was one guy in particular who was he was just sort of frustrated with the air war in particular. And switching over to the standard game would have simplified that greatly. Right. And people, some people don't want the added complexity or the added involvement. They're fine with just a hex encounter game with the air war being abstracted. Yeah. Or they don't want to play 30 hours of next war. Right. Which is totally fine. I get it. So play a little, you know, three, four hour scenario or play five, you know, four hour scenarios or something like that. Um, so that's kind of my thought with how will, and I, I need to spend some more time chewing on it. Yeah. And if just, you're and listening, it, I mean, the next war standard game is very good. I oh, mean, yeah. I enjoy the intricacies of the air battle. It does take a long time, especially if you've got a lot of planes. Um, but I think that's fun. So I, I like playing the advanced game just because I like that extra layer. Um, there's also a totally separate not a separate, but an alternate air system that you can get in the supplements. So there's lots of different choices of the way that you play the next war. But if right. you play next war standard game, I mean, you just get air points, which is great. I mean, a lot of games, I mean, that's what OCS does for the most part. And, um, you know, there's a lot of games that just use air points to, to sort of abstract the air war and the game works just fine using that system. Right. And so then my, my, my goal there is to give everyone the choice. And then if, if you, if you and Randy want to spend three, four days just doing Taiwan, yeah, then you can. And then I thought it'd be fun. Like, okay, you get points for killing people, but if you do that by dropping a nuke, like then you're going to cost your side like <laughs> minus a hundred points. So yeah. like, like, yeah, maybe it'll make sense in your game, but also like it's going to hurt. I don't know. Right. So. We'll play around with it, but I think it just opens it up a little bit more as well. Yeah. Because yeah. then you get you get to check out things like uh, Last 100 Yards, which was, um, I think before, in the episode before the convention, I said, like, my goal is, like, one big game in a day and then something at night, which I didn't do in the convention, then, like, overcommitted, and then it just turned into a thing. But the one thing I reliably did was play Last 100 Yards. Uh, so we had a last hundred yards tournament as well as a little side skin in the game tournament where you up, you try to rank up your, uh, you start out as a squad leader and, and then you just, you rank up by, you know, assaulting different formations as an aside, I could leave, I, I could take or leave the skin in the game stuff, a little side game, mm-hmm. but just Mike Denson could sh- sell you the shirt off your back <laughs> that guy loves his game and he's just so knowledgeable and his his brain is just packed full of ideas and he'll just tell you about it until like you know it's it's late and you want to go home and and go to bed and see your wife for the first time in a couple (laughs) days and you just gotta go 
Uh, I had a blast with Last 100 Yards. I enjoyed every single game of it I played. Um, I think I was able to get in a game with every participant in the convention. I, I could be wrong about that. So we had, we had two guys win. Uh, Brian won the overall tournament and Les won the skin in the game tournament. Uh, it was just, it was good. It was good all around. So because I didn't play, um, what's the, obviously winning the overall tournament, I know how that works, but how do you win the skin of the game tournament, the skin of the game? So you pick, so it started out with, um, like just one of your, um, God, I just played and I'm going to get the, like a a squad or something. Yeah. You start with a squad. And you're not quite to the rank of like being a leader yet, but based off what that squad does in the game, do they assault a hill? Do they assault an improvised position? You're going to pick up points. Okay. And so it's not directly tied to winning the game overall, but it, it does, you know, it yeah. factors in for sure. So that can make it interesting because I got two squads and both can assault, but I really want this guy to get the points yeah. for it. So. Right. And it's, it's secret. Yeah. I think it'd be more interesting, like, we started at that level, and Mike's still, like, kind of working through those rules. It's kind of like a role-play rule he's got. Mm-hmm. I think you just go up one level and maybe play bigger scenarios. So you're, like, you're using the actual leader because it's kind of abstracted. You're not you're not the leader. You're an imaginary leader in this one counter okay. instead of using the leader counter. I, it's fine. I just rather. So it's like, almost like getting getting glory for a squad or a company or a platoon yes. or whatever. Right, right. Okay. And then eventually you go like, all right, he's earned enough points. All right, now you are the leader on the map. And then like, okay, now you're doing the whole platoon or something like that. And so like the framework's there, but again, I, I don't know. I I'd rather just play without it. It didn't take away from it, but it was it was kind of an afterthought. Uh, so it was nice. Um, there was kind of like, uh, like four guys who were really dedicated uh, last hundred yards. Tony, Tony was a great help in the last hundred yards. He just knows his stuff. And like Mitch played in the tournament. And then, like I said, I think the the one person who probably got the most out of Historic Fest was Mike Denson with the amount of people he was able to demo that game to, and just like wrangle them in and you know dig his teeth in and let the venom flow so they get hooked on the game. Uh, it was cool cool that's just such a good game it's just a unique deal that like your troops have to be involved for them to matter you can't hide yeah you know it's good i i, I i'm glad i i'm glad i was able to squeeze in the tournament games the last hundred so did you ever did you ever find yourself making a decision based on skin in the game like consciously saying this one has to happen this way okay and uh like as a side piece of it as well, I wasn't going to win the prizes I provided. Right. So I didn't care as much. Um, I, I don't want to discredit anyone else, but no, I didn't. I was also, I think in most scenarios, I ended up being on the defense anyways. It's, it's just harder to pick up the points on defense as the rules are written. So no, not for me. All right, what else did you play? Um, there was one time when, like I said, the, the Korea guys had a bigger game to play and were also newer. So there was one time, I think it was Friday afternoon, that we were significantly ahead of them. 
So the four of us that were playing Taiwan and Vietnam um, just set up another game at the next table over just to sort of wait for them. So we played a game called Battle for Galicia 1914. It was a, I think it's a magazine game. Um, I think it was in a Ziploc bag, but I think it's a magazine game. It was a small game, just a single map. Um, you know, it was Eastern Front, Battle for Galicia. Galicia was like a, a fortress, or there was a Premishil was the name of the fortress, and Galicia was the territory. There was a big battle there, so um, it was fine. I mean, it was nothing special. It, it didn't make me want to go out and buy it or anything, but it was definitely a little time-killer game. Nice. Did you like it? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, had there was nothing groundbreaking about it. You know, there was uh, nothing in it that was like, oh, this mechanic is cool. That's that's what I'm going to remember about this particular game. But it was fine. Nice. Yeah. So in addition to the last hundred yards, I was able to pick up um, two games of ASL as part nice. of the, the Summer Sizzler. So uh, the first one I'll talk about is The Front and Flames, which that's a pretty interesting scenario uh, no flamethrowers are involved, but um, the name matched the theme of the <laughs> of the deal. And so the the big thing here is your first ten moves are predetermined. You record them in secret, and you go one at you you do them at the same time, and you check line of sight. Like, do we see each other? All right, keep moving. And it there's one hex that the Germans have to control, and it like if you don't see each other in the first ten moves. I think the Germans can like take a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, and basically what happened in our game is like, I was playing the Germans. I was not able to get to the point I needed before the Russians. And then it was just too hard to like wedge them out of there. And we were so close to each other at that point, but it's kind of like your first 10 moves are predetermined and your entry hex is randomized. You, you randomize your entry hex first. Let's say it's a five. When you say, all right, I'm going to go to B six. Okay. C seven. Uh, D D six E seven. I don't know. I'd never seen that before. It was really fun. I liked it. It was a good scenario. But the one I wanted to talk about is we go way back and listen. The re the thing that brought me into ASL was the Korean war module. And there's a scenario in there called uh, super bazooka Mm -hmm. and it introduces the new bazookas and so after playing this scenario, what what I've learned is like the way the Koreans win is they just sit back and take pot shots at the Americans. They was don't. That, one of the was that the one where once I had a bunch of hidden units. Yeah, the the U.S. has one hip unit and then a bunch under concealment. Okay, and they have three of the super bazookas, and there's a path with all this cover, like one road, and then all these trees and buildings that. They can go around it, but it would take a while. Right. That the Koreans are trying to exit on or kill enough people. And so I, what I've heard is like how the Koreans win is they just sit back and lob shells at the Americans and mm. don't even get close. Because the bazookas, if they acquire a hit, is like a 36. Yeah. And like the armor rating on those Korean tanks is like, I don't know, 8 or something like that or 12. Like yeah. it's not so it's like good. you've got to roll a 12 and get a dud in order to not kill them. If in order to like not put them on fire yeah you know? like you're gonna hit them and then you're probably gonna kill them yeah in most circumstances it was really fun i don't know if it's balanced but like so i let my the guy I was playing against um uh andrew all the way from albuquerque which i thought was cool uh andrew like just rolled up rolled up rolled up i let two tanks go by and then when the third one come thump 
knocked it out, lit it on fire, fourth one rolls up, thump, light it on fire. And then at that point, like, he was just within range of my other bazookas. And it was too – like, if he had stayed back, I would have never acquired a hit. But, like, they were all one hex away shots right. with these super bazookas. It was fun. It was my first Korean module. Finally got it. It only took, you know, whenever <laughs> I started this podcast. Yeah. So. I haven't played anything from Korea yet. And it wasn't like there wasn't any crazy rules. Uh, you know, there was like rice patties and stuff like that. We had to look up the rules for that. But there wasn't a ton of you could get way more involved with the Korea stuff, I think. But this was a good like if you want to get your feet wet with Korea, there was one overlay and the new bazooka rules. And that's kind of it. So the ASL scenario archive shows and obviously this isn't 100 percent. That's just what people report. But it does show balance toward the Americans. Looks like it's favored toward the Americans. Yeah, I think I think maybe because like I said, and so either Dan or Dave who do the KSL, KCASL group mentioned like you just got to sit back as the Koreans. Yeah. Which makes sense. But who wants to do that? <laughs> right. Let's have some fun. I want to move some tanks and blow some stuff up. Also, it kind of depends on how the U.S. sets up, because if the U.S. sets up, there's, like, one little village. Like, they could set up there out of line of sight, and then you have to move closer to them with with a super bazooka hidden somewhere on the map. So uh. Uh, so we played some similar games. Why don't, why don't you go first? Uh, so I didn't play many evening games just because my... So we had sort of a change of plans. My wife did not come into the con. It was originally going to be the whole family, my wife, my two daughters and I, and then my wife and my daughters were going to do stuff while I played games. But my wife stayed home due to a, a sick dog and just had the girls with us. So um, so I spent the evenings mostly with the girls. But I did play one evening game, and I played Pax Perferiana, which is a fun game that I've played before. Um, it takes place basically late... 1900s uh, sorry late 1800s toward 1900 um and diego Porf- uh, porfiriana or whatever his name is he was like the president of mexico and the game is about accumulating enough power to overthrow him when the moment arrives so there's like different points in the game when like you can try to overthrow him if this is your strength later if this is your strength later if this is your strength so it's all about like picking your time to try to overthrow him to throw off your loyalty and try to overthrow him um it's part of the whole series of pax games this one takes place it's a i mean it's essentially a card game um with you know a tableau builder. It's a tableau builder, really. Um, that it's just basic, more or less a deck of cards with a few tokens to go with it. But it's a lot of fun. I played it a few times. I always enjoy playing it. Nice. Yeah. I, on that note, I played a, um, well, so the second edition, so I played Pax Premier. I don't need to beat around the bush. Yeah. Which originally was designed by Phil Eklund and Cole Worley. If I look at the credits, Cole Worley is the only one credited on, Pax Premier second edition. So similar game. It's a tableau building game. This is Afghanistan in the 19th century. So post Napoleon, uh, you have the Brits involved, Afghanistan and Russians. And you're kind of like the cards you pick align you with a certain faction. And you're kind of tied to you win by that faction having the most presence in Afghanistan. But again, it really boils down to this tableau builder. Your tableau determines how many actions you get. Um, you know, where, what actions, like what extra bonus actions you can do. And 
as you take those cards and you build your tableau out of these cards, that's going to, you know, allow you to place tribes in different regions to control those regions, which affects like who can actually play those cards. And it's a very item blast. I love this game. We had almost talked about ranking these games. I don't think they're right for the reward game ever list. I would not consider these war games, but they are fantastic. And we, we talked about this, these are not backstabbing games. They're very in your face. I am doing something yes. to very much impact your standing in the board and I'm just going to do it. But again, going back to this conversation of like games that have politicking where you're encouraged to negotiate and try to convince people to act in your best interest. And yeah, like you use your valuable actions to stop Zach from winning. Uh, yeah, you do that. So then I can go ahead and take my two actions and do what I want to do. Like, yeah, I could probably stop him or, you know, mess with him. But why don't you do it? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great game. I played it two or three times this summer. I taught it to my family. My wife enjoyed it quite a bit. But, you know, she knows, obviously, that I'm a war gamer. And, you know, I sold this to her. I'm like, this isn't a war game. It's a, you know. Just tableau builder, I told her what it was. I'm like, there is conflict involved, but it's not a war game. So, you know, we got to the point in the game where she's, you know, wanted to actually have a battle. And she's like, okay, well, what do we need to do for the battle? She's expecting that I'm going to have to explain this long sequence of things. I'm like, okay, you pick up two pieces. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's the extent of of the conflict in the game. But, yeah, my family, uh, my wife loves it. My daughter loves it. I love it. So, what? I, th- I think you have to be the only disclaimer, you know, anyone try this, right? My only disclaimer would be like, you have to be okay with people messing with you. Oh yeah. Like there's, there is a lot of strategy involved in this game and there are of it. There's like optimal plays and like using the cards to your advantage and playing efficiently. All of that stuff is here, but also people are fucking with you. And sometimes you can't do anything about it. You can try and protect yourself as best you can, but you know, there's things like you can steal cards, you can assassinate, you know, different cards, you mm-hmm. can take over regions, you can force scoring, by, or like, you know what, like, oh shit, if if we take these cards, we're going to score and Matt's going to win because of the British dominance, you know? Yeah, and a big uh, part of a- the game is knowing when to bail on the big three powers. It's yeah. like, the British are dominating, but they like Matt more than they like me, so I'm going to switch over to the Afghanis and try to help the Afghanis. It, it makes me very excited for it. So I have PAX Renaissance. And I know they're different games, but I think they share. They're all from the same, yeah. you know, tree, whatever. Uh, really excited for it. I don't be surprised if this ends up on the end of the year show, is what I'll say. <laughs> very good. Yeah, it's a good game. I like it. And Perferion is great, too. Um, I'm not sure. I think I like Pamir a little more, but they're both very good. Have you Have you played Renaissance? I have not. I, I want to say there's a bunch of them. There's transhumanity. There's others too. I think. Yeah, I've I, I've talked to a couple guys, and and they've said, um, well, I know I think Zach. I don't remember what Zach said, but I know Rex, which are two of the guys I play with locally. We were playing another Phil Eklund game, which they played at the con. Um, oh my gosh, the the spaceship game. Uh, uh, a PAX game. Are you talking about no, no, else? no. The Phil Eklund space exploration game. They played it the first day of the con. High Frontier. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. They oh man, that game looks so good on the table. I was, oh. I was too busy to 
even watched them play at that time, but it looks really good. It 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 does. It's phenomenal on the table. Anyways, we were talking Phil Eklund games. All that all that other stuff aside, say what you want about Phil Eklund. Um, I had asked them about you know like okay, what do you guys think of the PAX games? Because like tabletop has PAX Transhumanity in stock. Yada yada yada. I I want to say that Rex might have said that PAX Renaissance was his favorite. So. I'm uh, curious to see what that has in store. So, anyways, fantastic game, but very confrontational and a whole lot of potential for you could, I guess, play this game like solitaire, a little interaction other than, you know, like moving pieces and, and like blowing up cards. But I think where it really shined is the like just the conversations at the table. Yeah. Super liked it. Yeah, there is a bot that you can play against, and oh. I mean it's it's not terrible for a bot, um, but it's it's not going to be close to playing with other people. Yeah, well, the, inter- the interaction was a big selling point there. Highly yeah. interactive game, so you got to be okay with that. Like you have to be okay <laughs> with your shit getting blown up because that will happen. Yep. Nice. Anything else for you at, over the weekend? I think the only other game I played uh, was a quick game of innovation one night. So we've talked about that one before. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you've got, that if, was if you want a like small it. game oh, for 18 man. bucks, you cannot do better bang for your buck than Innovation. That was one of my best played games of Innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't got, you take I, like, what, you took all the, I forget what they're called, but not the regular achievements, but like the global achievements. You completely feasted off of those. Oh, yeah. I, th- I want to say, like, I know I got two of them. I may have had three. Yeah, of them. it was crazy. Such a fun <laughs> game. And it's funny because um, I've been sort of eyeing the expansions to it, which they're actually not in stock at Miniature Market, but your local game store there had several, if not all, of the expansions. But I thought, you know, the game's so good the way it is, I don't really feel the need for the expansions. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with I've I've hit I hit a saturation point of innovation. We were just playing so much on board game. <laughs> yeah, right it's just like, OK, it was, it was really that nice. We all to had play. like three games going. <laughs> it was a little much. I don't know if I need the other stuff. Like, I think I'm good for a while. I will say, like, it was a bummer that that um, and it was just really was lucky. Like, I had some really f- cards that played well off each other. Mm hmm. Because I think, I don't know, if, I don't want to speak for him, but I want to be surprised if, if Mitch never played that game again. Because <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, Matt's doing this cool stuff again. Which yeah. is, is just kind of And we didn't have, even have Ors screw anyone over. Nope. Ors nope, will I'm... make you quit that game. <laughs> Ors. Uh, nice. So the I, I, I played quite a few other things. The one thing I want to talk about is Memoir 44. So, I want to give a preface because I, first off, I'm really glad I got a chance to play with Bill. Um, Bill and his wife drove down from Ohio and his wife had a uh, triathlon up at Smithville Lake and met both of them. Hung out with Bill quite a bit. We got some beers. We did the uh, hex crawl in the morning. And I told him, I said, hey, I want to make sure we play a game together when you come. So it was really nice to meet him. Super glad I got to play a game with him. And then Pete, the guy we played with, super nice guy. He's from Toronto. Like, we're talking hockey. His son was, like, trying out for this competitive team. So, like, we got to talk hockey on Saturday. And then he came back Sunday to set up this massive game in Memoir 44. 
So I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to do this. Okay, that being said, so super enjoy their company. Both really great guys. I was having a blast for like the first four hours. But that's the problem. We played Memoir till the convention closed at 8. And I think we played until 7 o'clock. Yeah. And we were the last three people there. <laughs> and like bless Bill's heart, like hung out the whole time. And then like Pete only was able to show up on Sunday. And like my when I said I wanted to play memoir and like play for a little bit, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll play memoir for a couple hours. I just like <laughs> like there's just a point where it's not as rewarding as playing OCS for eight hours or playing next door sure. for eight hours. I was so I was done. I was like, oh my god. So how many people did you start with? Three. There's three. Oh, of us. okay, okay. So, well, that's good. At least that everybody stuck around. It's not like you were having people drop off or. No, and at one point I was like, "So, how you guys feeling?" I was like, "Well, we're great. Yeah, doing good." And I was like, Ugh. and then I even I even said something to Bill. I was like, "Billy, is that cool with you?" Like, and he's like, he was like, "Oh yeah, totally." And I was like, <laughs> "Damn it, damn it, Bill." <laughs> um, again, super glad I did it, but like, I don't need to to play that game for six, seven, eight hours. I don't remember if we started at like eleven or noon. Would it have gone faster if there were more people? I don't know okay. because. Like Pete played one side and like he really kept that game moving. And I Rich, we almost played through the whole like D Day scenario yeah. in that time period. Like it was a dozen points away from being over. Mm. And the game was closer than I thought. Like he ended up winning. Uh Pete he was playing the Allied side. Um But like he kept it like trucking. And like played at a very fast pace, which bless his heart, because if it had dragged on I I think I would have just like flipped the table, not really. <laughs> but it's like when I talk about the commands and colors series, and just like talk about like, oh, it's so fun. Like, yeah, it's fun when you're done in an hour, right? Yeah, that's sort of the appeal of it is, you know, right. quick little battle, roll a couple dice, kill and some I will horses. Say, table presence is awesome like he had all the pieces like the flame tanks and the super guns and you know landing craft and like yeah it's a million army men on a table it's awesome but after like eight hours it's just like yeah and and here's the other deal it was sunday right and there were three of us left (laughs) and i was done like i was so spent and it's like, okay, maybe if we started on Friday, I would have, like, kept my own. And, like, I wasn't, I don't, I'm, I'm bitching a lot. But, like, I'd, I hope I didn't come across as, like, any of this. Because, like, I tried to, like, you know, stay as interested as I could. But I was like, I I don't need to play memoir for, like, three years. Right. That was fun. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I've played... I played Commands and Colors. I played Ancients. I've played Memoir Forty Four. I've played the Great War. I think it's what the World War One is called. And yeah, I mean it's fine. I don't. I'm never gonna like go seeking those games out, but I'll play them. So I can't. I really don't want to play one of those for eight hours. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Again, I'm super glad I did, and I'm super glad I got to hang out with Bill and Pete. Both super great guys. But. Like another group of people played an overlord scenario 
earlier in the morning because like Pete ended up being late. I'm like, they were waiting around for it. So they just went along with a like smaller game. Totally cool. Mm -hmm. And they were like done in two hours. I was like, you lucky sons of bitches. <laughs> no one needs to be playing Memoir 44 that long. Now, uh, Bill, Pete, if you guys feel differently, then you know, just speak up. But, oh, man. If I had to rank Memoir 44 on the list right now, I don't think it would fare too well. <laughs> <laughs> so burnt out on it. All right, a couple other quick games. I assume you don't have any questions about Memoir 44. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I'll, let, I'll let you move on from it. I don't want to cause any undue stress. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so tired. Um, all right, so uh, <laughs> on Sunday I played Modern Naval Battles, which, like, Miniature Market had Modern Naval Battles and Modern Tank Battles on sale for, like, $9. Yeah. Um, Those are and- card games, right? They're card games, and you pick a nationality. So, like, if you pick Norway, you get Norwegian ships. Or if you pick the U.S., you get all the U.S. ships. And, like, you you can buy so many points worth of ships to kind of balance it out. But, like, you can also buy in more ships. So, like, U.S., Chinese, and the Brits and the Russians are going to be the most overpowered. It's like, you really don't want to be playing Norway. Mm -hmm. Unless you're, like, unless you're playing Norway and they're playing, like, I don't know. I think maybe Argentina was in there or something. (laughs) But it really comes down to a, like, almost take that, like, and just canceling, like, all right, I'm going to launch this missile at you. You can cancel it out by playing a card. And so you just kind of go back and forth, like, all right, I'm uh, launching aircraft. Like, it's going to sink your ship if I roll a six unless you, you know, place some kind of defense against it. And so you're just playing your hand of cards to do that. And you can, instead of attacking, you can buy in more ships. It was fun. I think it stays at the table a little bit long for what it is. Like, at a $9 game, yeah, I think it's a fun game. I think retail price is, like, $40. I would not pay $40 for this game. And I also, like, wish it was over in, like, 20 minutes. How long was but, it? Uh, so I started it and then switched over to Memoir because, like, <laughs> he had shown up and then uh, I think Les took my spot. Yeah. And we were playing with we were playing with a few different people. It's fine. It's kind of cool. Like, I like seeing all the ships and, like, oh, yeah, these are, my, these are my boats and, like, the pictures are great and you're playing a nationality. All of those things are cool. But, like, the gameplay itself isn't very rewarding. Yeah. You just slap a card down and then, you know, like, all right, do you have an answer for that in your hand? Okay, you do. All right, well, you got to roll a four or higher. Oh, you didn't. All right, that deals four points of damage and your ship has nine. Like, let's just keep going around and around. Yeah. I mean, it's a card game with a a little bit of a theme to it. Right. It's not bad. Uh, And then real quick, I played Dude Imperium, um, which I like. That's a a worker placement uh, deck builder game, strictly a Euro game. It was fun to get that out. Um, I actually really liked it. I'm looking forward to the expansion of that. And then the last thing I, I, I played, um, and I'm, I may be forgetting some other stuff, but Buffalo Wings. So we've talked about this game before, mm-hmm. and we've talked about the series. Speed uh, of Heat. Speed of Heat, right. The Air Power series and the, uh, Wings in the Motherland is the other one we've talked about. That's There's Clash all kinds of Arms, of, right? Yeah, yep. Um, and they're all designed by uh, one guy. Shit. Uh, anyways so buffalo wings is finland in uh world war um it's finland and russian finnish planes against russian planes it's uh jd webster is the designer of the series so his whole air series and basically it comes down to like this is 
each turn is just a matter of seconds and it comes down to like spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. which that may be a huge turnoff for some people. I loved it. Like, I don't know. I, in general, like I do a lot of spreadsheets at work. I'm the kind of guy that like going through and doing that stuff. And I like this procedural, like, okay, I have this much speed. Like it's a little bit Mitch kind of like taught and refreshed some stuff and did a whole bunch of teaching really to take me through the series. But like, I like the very procedural spreadsheet of filling in the stuff. Yeah. If you're playing on the computer, it'd be nice. The vast module did it for you, but that very procedural, like, all right. Uh, I've got eight acceleration. I did these things and that messes with my acceleration in this way. And I can move this far based off my speed and like just going through line item by line item, adding and subtracting. I don't know. I really enjoy the experience. It was a really good game. Hmm. I'm not good at it. Have you played any other game in the series? I had done a little bit of Speed of Heat. Okay. And have you played any of the Red Storm, Downtime, any of those games? Yeah, uh, Bloody April. Okay. Yeah, that's like the probably the weakest of the series, even though I know I just bought it for completionist's sake. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear how, especially like Speed of Heat versus, you know, Downtown or Speed of Heat versus Red Storm. Yeah, uh, I would too. One, we should eventually play Red Storm together. Um, I agree 100%. I would like to learn those and go back to this. Um, there's no plotting, or at least I haven't gotten to that. Yeah. And it's, I would say it's more tactical okay. than what I remember from Bloody April. Um, it really comes down to, like the very specific actions of the planes. But I will say, like, I let's say I started in Hex A8, which wasn't where I started. But, like, we're playing around, we're playing around, we've been playing for, like, I don't know, 45 minutes, and then we, like, look, and after, like, zigzagging around the map and, like, slowing down and doing this turn, we look, and, like, after all of that, I was, like, at Hex A14. Like, I just moved six hexes forward by that point. After, like, I'd done loops and, like, flown around and turned around, but it's, like, cool, after all that, I've lost speed, I've lost altitude, and I've just moved six spaces forward. Yeah. That was just ridiculous. I loved it, though. I, I would like to stay on top of this because I think it's the kind of thing, like, when we just scratch the surface, like, you, there's all kinds of, like, just different maneuvers and more advanced rules that you can start adding in. Um, yeah. When I was kind of looking over your shoulder, it was just look like one plane, one plane. Is that, obviously, you were playing sort of in a trajectory. Do you, is there scenarios with multiple planes or oh, is yeah. it always like that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. there's there's scenarios with more, especially in uh, like Wings of the Motherland will be, I would assume, more involved. Okay. Because Buffalo Wings is very much supposed to be an introduct- introduction into the system. Mm. I would say if, if you have Buffalo Wings, you're going to want to copy each of the data cards for the planes out of the magazine first. Uh, copy them and then cut them up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like, it's like one page of plane, but then you're flipping through the rules. Then you got to flip back to this plane. Oh, okay. Then you got to flip back over to the Russian plane. So just like to have them out as like plane data cards, like you would have in Red Storm or something like that. Oh, I love that. Would be the way. Data cards. Yeah, someone should do them for Buffalo Wings for yeah. sure. But all right, uh, any other games that we need to talk about? No, I think that's all I played. I mean, obviously, I played in in the. 
you know, between Friday and, and Sunday, you know, I played good 16, 20 hours of next door. So nice. Yeah. It's a good weekend. Yeah, it was absolutely. I mean, as I was looking at the other games, especially ASL, I mean, you know how much I love ASL. And I kept looking over there thinking, man, I really want to play ASL. And there was other games I wanted to play as well, too. But in at the end of the day, I can go play ASL now, but I cannot play Next Door Asia now. So it, yeah, it, was, a, it was a one-time thing that I could only do then, and I, I don't regret it at all. So when before, like, because I know at, at, at one point Adam was like, too like too much like i've it's just like he hit his threshold i think before that happened at peak there was 10 people playing next war asia right because what happened is so we originally had six people for next war asia but then the next war the next war con learning game sort of became next war korea so hmm. we had six newbies playing Korea while the four of us that knew the system pretty well were playing the other games and just sort of like helping them out a little bit, but probably not quite enough. So yeah, it was kind of a mess over there in the Korean peninsula. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's still pretty impressive to get 10 people around. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the and last... I think all of them, I mean, the, it, basically for Korea, there was like six people the first day two people the second day and then and then they stopped at the end of the second day but i think all of those six people at least got to see what the system is oh first sure. yeah I, I don't doubt that um the real quick before i i told you i mentioned it, empire at sunrise is the yeah. is the hollandspiel game so hollandspiel sent us a couple play to win games you could check out one of them was um white eagle defiant and so you could check out white eagle defiant we drew names at the end of the convention. Someone went home with them. One of them was Empires at Sunrise, which is uh, a kind of a three-scale World War One naval game against Japan and Germany. Uh, and that's kind of like the gimmick or the selling point of the game is like, oh, cool, you have this land battle that's zoomed in and then on that same map you actually if you cross this threshold you zoom out and now you're kind of like at a little more tactical you know fleet level and then you can go to this other map and now you're doing with the whole pacific ocean yeah. and you're not moving hex to hex anything like that and it's um i don't we didn't play very long so i don't want to spend a lot of time with it there were some really cool concepts um like if i'm moving a boat or a ship you can intercept each hex I move into. You can attempt to intersect. And for the mover, the person with initiative, it's kind of like a push your luck because the closer I get to you and the more you roll to intercept, the likely you are, you are going to intercept. So it's the attacker. If we're, if I sail into your hex, I have to roll to intercept you. If I don't, that's my one intercept for my, that activation. Mm -hmm. You as the person without initiative can roll as much as you want or what well, you roll once each hex you move into hex a7 all right i rolled intercept you don't get it all right i move closer to you i move into hex a6 all right now there's new modifiers You're a little bit closer this is my second intercept i can keep rolling every time you move that was kind of a cool concept nice. the shifting scale things by, by having like three different scales it was kind of neat but it's kind of also just like uh you know there's those games where you like flip pieces like a coin yeah it's kind of like that like and and better than that admittedly better than that uh but it it alone 
wasn't enough to uh, to to sell me on the game. Yeah. So great looking game for a little Holland Spiel game like that for sure. Sure. Alright, I I think that is the game. Or the games. I mean there was uh High Frontier, um GCACW was played, US Civil War was played, uh we already talked about the PAX games, once last hundred yards, Axis Allies. Yeah. Uh C3I magazine game. Yeah, there was it was just a good amount of stuff going on. So now that we're a few weeks removed from it, uh-huh. is there anything that you definitely want to do differently next year? Yeah. Um, there, there are a couple interesting things. I one next four con. I, th- I think I want to like open it up so you're not committed to a three day. Yeah. Thing. Another interesting point. I was talking with the ASL guys, like because they they get a good turnout in Kansas City and there were just like there were Kansas City ASL guys that didn't come which is fine I'm not going to knock them for not coming to my deal just bring a new thing but I just tell them I was like yeah I'm surprised there weren't more KCASL guys here and their point was like some ASL guys just want to go play ASL Mm -hmm. they don't but on the other hand I think there are people that aren't so just learning how to balance that and like what it's nice to have a year under my belt so I know how to plan next year so we do operate in the black next year. Like I had a break even point this year, which was a certain number. And we were just shy of it. So to me, that's a success. I know how to plan next year. I know what my expectations should be. I think the one big drop I would have is the the round table. Or not the round table. I'm sorry. The roundup. Uh-huh. Because even though I, there were times when I did the roundup, there may have been one or two people that weren't actively playing a game. Sure. Anytime I did it, no one like actually was seeking out a game. So it didn't really add anything, which was this whole idea like, Oh, we'll meet at the registration table, you know, two or three times a day and say, Hey, if you're looking for a game, come over right. here. And that never really happened. So, yeah. Um, I, it, it's a hard thing to sell. Like, the dinners with designers, both with historic or with historic fest and the first next war con those, the first dinner I did with Mitch and the dinner with, we did with Mike, like those are some of my favorite wargaming memories and mm-hmm. just like promoting those because like Mike's didn't fill up until the night of, and then Mitch's like, well, one guy went home and then like one guy just decided not to go to it, which I, which is like, that's fine. I get it. But also, his was full. It's like, I want to promote those because that is a, like, I don't know. I love those experiences. Yeah. Plus, they're pretty boozy. And, <laughs> like, the the conversation with Mike was super interesting. I can imagine. He's um, such a fascinating guy. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that because, I mean, we've done, here in St. Louis, for our, our monthly war game day, we've done Day with the Designer. We've had Mike, and we've had Mitch, and we've had a couple other people um, and we're going to do Mitch again when Vietnam comes out. But I mean, it's, it's just really cool to talk and, and Mitch and Mike might be extra, extraordinary examples, especially Mike, but it's, it's really cool to talk to a designer about his game. Oh yeah, totally. And then I will say um, props to Mike Heckman and Nate Hayden who uh, Nate's a KC guy and Mike is a St. Louis guy and they were buddies and like no one like the Kansas City guys and the St. Louis guys I don't think any of us knew them um, but like they were a hoot at dinner and like just like Mike Heckman was great at 
asking Mike Denson questions. And then like once, and he's the one who introduced us to the Godfather. And so like once the booze was flowing, it's just a great experience. And like, it doesn't have to be a boozy experience or anything like that. That's not what makes it great. I just think that interaction is not something you get. Like when I think of Kansas city comic con or planet comic con, like, which is obviously way different. If there's like a designer or a comic book, you know, author or illustrator or this person whatsoever, like there's not really chances to like just go to dinner with them. And by doing like a smaller intimate convention, I don't know. I just think that's a cool deal. So I want to push that more yeah. because the, like there wasn't that much demand for it. Yeah. So changes, um, the venue did some like weird things like you couldn't bring outside food and drink because right. they had a cafe, <laughs> but then the cafe wasn't staffed. So it was only open for on Friday for a few hours. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, cool. thanks for telling me that on Thursday. That was weird. And I, I, I always try to put the best construction on things. So I'm just kind of, we are still living in this weird yes. COVID world. So right. hopefully uh, that was just a COVID thing, but that when definitely I, was weird. It was very weird. And it was fr- like, I wish, like, you told us, like, there will be food and drinks available here on throughout the convention. So we didn't, I didn't really, now, I wouldn't have bought stuff at that cafe anyways, because you could have walked over to the hotel and got, like, beer and, like, real food. And well, But that's beside the point. Um, so I think that'll just be something I evaluate in the survey I will send out once I get back from vacation. Um, it's just like, was that a big factor for you? The fact that we couldn't bring in food or drink or technically weren't supposed to, but Mike did some of the yeah. cooler. But well, like, and we all did on Saturday night. Yeah. So. Right. Like, that's fine. We, we the, were the uh, only, we had the whole convention center to ourselves, <laughs> but we had the tactical cleaning guy that we had to avoid. <laughs> oh, that was, that was bizarre. That's another side point. Uh, so, uh, so evaluating the venue and I'm not necessarily changing because I thought the space was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Obviously. <laughs> so right after we got all set up, so we spent like four hours setting up <sighs> next door and like immediately we started getting like water dripping on the map. So we had to move the entire tables. That's not a big Which, deal. I mean, it, stuff happens. I'm not going to blame them for that, but that was funny. I will say it wasn't like a janky sketch building. It was because it was like it is the that was the hottest weekend we've yeah. had all summer. It's humid as balls. And it was just condensation from the AC. Yeah. But it was like, and then the poor guy like came in because like someone told me. So then I texted the the event coordinator and like they sent someone over. And that poor guy was like, uh, yeah, he's like, like I don't know well, what I to can't. do because the <laughs> ceiling's like eighty feet up. Right. And he's looking at our table like I don't know what you weirdos are doing with all this stuff. <laughs> right. So then we got like I don't know fourteen guys to like each pick <laughs> yeah. up the table and just like hup, 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 moved over five feet and yeah. called it good. Uh, I don't know, but like, what did you say? Like, do you think there needs to be something that changes next year or what? No, I mean, I thought it was great um, that I thought the venue was fine, except for the weird food thing. Um, You know, it was very spacious. It was, you know, the climate was great because it was so spacious. It never felt, you know, like a lot of times in a smaller room, you start filling it up with guys and it can get warm or sometimes even smelly. Mm -hmm. Um, But none of that at all. The, The room was huge. It was great. Yeah, the space was adequate. I, I, I think I will add vendors next year. Yeah. But it was it was kind of a little bit of like, all right, let's walk before we start yeah. running. And we were already like, anyways. And it was uh, nice that there were three, at least three, maybe even more hotels 
right there. So like I didn't end up oh, staying yeah. at the, the hotel that was attached to the convention, but it was literally like 300 feet away in the next hotel over. So, yeah, as far as hotels go, like one, it's, it's in a super nice part of the Metro. It's within five miles of tabletop, which is yeah one of the best two stores in the Metro for board gaming. And they carry war games, which another store I really like doesn't. And if you're looking for even more budget hotels, there's some that are like two miles away. Like there's, so like there's plenty of places uh, to stay. That reminds me, I need to, I crashed with Adam one night, so I didn't go home super late and get up super early. I need to PayPal him. (laughs) Guy thinks I'm probably a bum. Uh, Let's see if I was going to mention everything. I talked about the Godfather, um, which was a fantastic drink. I guess we should tell people what the Godfather is. Yeah, because I Uh, just finished mine, so. What's funny about like so we we sit down and Mike Denson had picked Italian so we went to an Italian restaurant that's been in Kansas forever called Garozzo's and uh, I think Mitch and I like Mike got a wine Mitch and I got Negronis I don't remember what uh, Tony and Nathan ordered but then Mike was all like hush hush like showing the waiter what he wanted and <laughs> Nate was giving him a hard time and they were all like what are you doing and he's like you know what you want one I was like I don't know what it is and he kept like and Mitch was like. And I was like, fine, if you're buying. And then it comes around and it is fantastic. And so it is just three to two of your favorite scotch. I'd say you're blending scotch, not some super peaty. And then DiSerrano and a dirty cherry. Yeah. On ice. It's good. Very good. Yeah. I didn't have the cherry in mind because I didn't have any cherries. But yeah, it's a good drink. I like it. Very good. Uh, let's see. Now, did you get some did you get some barbecue in? I did. So it's funny because I, you know, if you had asked me before I went, like what my plans were, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to a different barbecue place all the time. So um, I actually didn't. Um, I went to the same place twice. And that's actually the only barbecue I got. But it was real. It was good. I went to it was called Joe's Barbecue, right? Was that what it was? Yeah. It used to be called Oklahoma Joe's. Now it's yeah. just called Joe's Kansas City. Yeah. So it was good. Um it reminded me there's a, a, a place here in St. Louis that it reminded me of quite a bit. Um, um, but I got when I got the Z man, which was like a brisket sandwich. And then I went back the next time and I got, what's it called? Like the fire pig or something. Rocket pig. Rocket pig. That was freaking amazing. It was like pulled pork with some jalapenos and bacon. And I don't remember what all was on it, but that was one of the best sandwiches I've had in a very long time. So. I was I was thinking about you because last week or like the week before or something like that they introduced a new brisket. Yeah. And it like it was some kind of like spicy brisket that had like peppers in it like they've never had it before. I was mm. like, "Oh, and they're only doing oh, it's called the brisket diablo." Oh, okay. And it just looks money, but yeah, they're so only like doing it on Yeah, like if I saw Tuesdays. that on the menu, I would definitely order that cuz brisket oh, yeah, is totally. my favorite meat, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were a couple other places that I was going to go to, but like there was, uh, I think it was just like too long a line or something. And then I ended up going back to Joe's with my girls just because it was so good. I knew they would like it. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think sometimes Kansas City people get tired of like recommending barbecue <laughs> stuff, but like for me, Joe's never gets old, and so right. that's where I'm going to send people first. But yeah. So we also did, we did Martin City one day. Yep. Had some beers and wings and yeah, and the food, something. Fr- food was good there. I mean, yeah, I think I think I had a salad that day, but the beer right. was. I don't remember what I had, but I remember I liked it. 
Yes, good stuff. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if there's anything to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll say so. I mean, obviously, we we joke around a lot about you know St. Louis barbecue, Kansas City barbecue, Seattle barbecue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, so Joe's reminded me a lot of a place here in St. Louis called Sugar Fire, which is sort of my go-to barbecue. There's a two or three different locations around the city they've expanded. I wouldn't. I mean. You could call it a chain if you want, but really it's one place that expanded. Um, there's another place in St. Louis that is higher quality, but also way more expensive. But like Oklahoma Joe's, Sugar Fire, you know, I mean, you you can go there and it's not going to be too much money. and You're going to get some really good food. So, yep. Yeah, we tried Q39. That's where we tried to go. Yeah, I think that was like, the other place I was going to go and didn't end up going. Yeah, yeah, we tried to go when we ended up going to Martin City. Yeah. Um, and then and I was going to go there later that night, too. But oh, yeah, yeah. ended up going back to Joe's. And then uh, the dinner with Mitch was at Jack Stack. And they're three completely different experiences, and they all do something really yeah. well. The cool I, thing about Jack Stack is I need they have to a family go to Jack style. Stack. That's, oh, the, so that's the place, like, you know, next time I'm in KC, that's going to be on my must-go-to. For sure. For sure. Well, there you go, folks. That was uh, Historic Fest. Um, if if you're not in the Facebook page or if you're not on our Discord, I've already announced that we're coming back next year. We'll finalize dates. I will get that announced as soon as possible. I want to get that exit survey out as soon as possible just so I can get some feedback to make some more informed decisions. Overall, I, I thought it was a, a great time. Um, re- really nice meeting some people that I – you know, interacted with, played some games with online or appeared on their podcast or chatted with them, Bill, Adam, and just like a whole bunch of other people. It was really nice seeing Mitch and Mike again. Um, the new war gamers, like, um, gosh, less, less one or came in second on the last hundred yards. Yeah, that like was cool. Had had a copy, but hadn't been able to dive in yet. So, uh, and he picked it up and was just like a great war gamer all around. Super nice guy. Um, I'd say the age was, you know, we had, you know, one 12 or 13 year old and then Mike was probably at the, I guess I shouldn't throw him under the bus like that, but probably 12 to 70 something in age range and <laughs> good spread of people all the way from Albuquerque and Houston, uh, all the way up to the Minneapolis area. So, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a couple things and I need to put these out on the page. There's a couple things I want to mention just um, for people that came to our convention um, and just support the others. So we have Siege of Vicksburg coming up in October, which is Adam Chance's convention, uh, Chance of Gaming podcast down in Vicksburg. And there is and they have not sent me the information. I completely forgot the name. There's a one day convention up in Nebraska in Lincoln. Fill some time while I do some Google searching. Time kill music. Uh, is it Lincoln? Mm. Hey, it's Omaha. <laughs> well, there's so there's two guys that came down. Ah, uh, well, you know, if you're in our, doesn't matter. I'll find it. I'll 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 put it in the group. But there's a couple events coming up in the area or uh, people who came and are friends of the show. So check out their stuff. Um, like Siege of Vicksburg, I'm, I'm pretty sure Mike Denson's going to be there demoing Last 100 Yards. I think it's a little bit more minis focused, but um, there's going to be some Hex Encounter stuff. So there yeah, you go. <laughs> I think that's what he has so far, but he's trying to get more going. Good, good, good. All right. Anything else you want to say? 
Uh, I guess the only other thing I would say is the World War One Museum was great, and War Remains was amazing. Well, yeah. well spent, thirty bucks or whatever I spent on that. It's fifteen minutes VR thing, but it was really cool. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed your time there. Yeah. And you did not go over to the Union Station, did you? Correct. Bummer. 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 That's all right. You could have say, "Hey, this is where Scoops got on this nightmarish train." But <laughs> now you can't say that. All right. Uh so that's going to that's the war game talk, except we have some uh we've got some listener questions and it's a short GMT update. We're going to hit that so we got some questions, GMT update and then we'll get to the nonsense stuff. There's not a whole lot about it. So, uh let's knock these out real quick. Uh, Art asks, what's a system or game that's always been a grail that you want to learn the most, and why is it Campaigns from North Africa? <laughs> nice. Yeah, so for me, it's actually not Campaigns from North Africa, although I, I guess I'm mildly interested in it just to see what all the fuss is about. For me, it's a, actually the Grand Operational System, uh, or Grand Operational Simulation System, or whatever, G-O-S-S, uh, Atlantic Wall, Hurtgen Forest, Lucky Forward, those games. That's the one that um, I have them. They're on my shelf. I really want to get them out, but it's it's going to require a lot of time commitment to get into those. Yeah, I think mine is, and fortunately for me, the Goss bug has not bitten me yet. Even with you talking about it and like <laughs> seeing it in person, like I've gotten close, um, but it has not bitten me. Mine, like, I don't know. I've been able to cross off a couple of those grails. Uh, especially now, like learning a little bit of Buffalo Wings, like I can kind of cross that off. I would say, even though I've learned a little bit, is is GTS, yeah, Grand Tactical System from MMP, because I've completely forgotten anything I learned about that system. Huh. Also, like Vietnam sixty five seventy five. Yeah, I have, that's one too, but that'll get crossed off the list later this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like that's gonna happen. So, um. I don't have a ton of grails left. I think the, the like just not only learning, but also owning and it'll never happen now is the Miku games finish war series, which each of those was like 200 bucks before he stopped making them. Yeah. And that would be, um, that'd be something. So he did three games on, uh, Finland during world war two. He was a guy from Finland. Um, and I've played his other game and it's just, it wasn't for me, but the like big games are quite a bit different. I think so. All right. Uh, Bill asks, what are your go-to games for available time slots? This is one hour, two hours, four, etc." I laughed because like one hour, I would say like memoir, but, uh, for one hour, I'd say brave little Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. I think any of those kind of like, you know, pick your poison there with the like. You know, I saw some guys playing table battles at uh, Historic Fest as well. Yeah, I think I've got that. Well, and I haven't played it yet. I really want to play that. I've just played dinosaur battles, yeah. which is similar. <laughs> just pick your poison there. I think any of those little uh, Hall and Spiel games, like whatever topic yeah. interests you the most. But I think Brave Little Belgium. If I if it was a hard hour stop, because there's also a lot of games like, oh yeah, we can play that in an hour and then you win it. <laughs> and there it goes. Uh, yeah. You know the the right last hundred yards scenario. Yeah, that that would be right there in that hour. Yeah, for an hour, I would definitely go Brave Little Belgium Um, for two hours. At that point, I think you're talking about a specific scenario of a game rather than a specific game. Yeah, the two hour. 
I mean, I'm ASL, think- if both players know what they're doing, you can play in two, but ASL yeah. is going to be tough to play in two hours. Most scenarios, you're going to be looking at three to four. I, th- I think you're right. Or, yeah, so- something lighter. Yeah. But and magazine games has are a lot good of- for that. Right. I was thinking, like, uh, Commands and Colors Ancients. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, too. Just because, like, of the setup time as well. Like, I know they play quick, but then you get all the pieces yeah. out. I think you two can get kind sec- of like a Sekigahara weird... in in two hours if you both know what you're there doing. There you go. That would be... Uh, I was thinking Sekigahara or, like, I think Imperial Struggle... Oh, uh, Twilight. Um, Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, if you play one deck, sure. Yeah, totally. That would kind of... I think that would be a good two-hour spot because two hours tough because then you're, like, you're probably biting off more than two hours. And right. then four hours... Hmm... Four hours. Imperial, Imperial you, Struggle? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games, a lot of good games you can play four hours. Um, I, <laughs> I guess if I had four hours and I could do anything I want, I'd play ASL. Yeah. So ASL, uh, Imperial Struggle. I think you could do a standard Next War scenario if both people know it, depending on the scenario. Yeah, maybe. Mm, the Simonish games are probably out. Those take too long. Uh, I mean, but I think you could do again, if if you both know what you're doing, you could do SCS in oh, four hours. GCACW. Yeah. Not not the advanced stuff, but like the little ones, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Especially if you're playing on Vassal, because then you have the cleanup button. Yeah, definitely. Okay. At first, I thought this question was a troll or like just messing with us, but then I actually started <laughs> to think about it, and I think I got some pretty interesting responses. Yeah, I so. think both are true. I think he is messing with us, and I have an answer for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you're already doing it. So, okay. So, Jason asks, if you could have another podcast with another podcast host, who would it be and why? <laughs> all right. So, you go first. Well, because- mine's going to be not what you're thinking at all. I mean, so mine is <laughs> totally, totally off off the path of what anyone probably listening knows about me. Um, But I would actually um, – I actually sing with a, a, a barbershop chorus – and it's it's an award. I mean, these guys have won international competitions multiple times. They're amazing. But their director is internationally known. He's probably the best director in the world. And their arranger is internationally known, probably the best arranger in the world. I would do a podcast with those two and just talk about like the history of, of barbershop music and just get out of their way and let them talk. That's what I nice. would do. Jim okay, Henry. So I- and yeah, I mean, I would just I'd let them go. Nice. Well, do they already have a podcast? They do not, no. Oh, well, see, then you got to pick something else because it has to have another podcast host. Oh, it has to be another podcast host. Yes. All right. All right, you think about that because I've got some answers. Okay. And I I stayed in the game vein, but I would probably, like, do something comic book related. Like, I don't know. Colin Bunn and his wife Cindy Bunn have a podcast called The Bungalows, and it's one of the just like most charming things. Like, here, this husband and wife, like yeah. they talk about his comics and stuff, but like they just have really good chemistry. So, I, like, I want to like burge into there, like, and do a comic thing with them. And he does a bunch of Cthulhu stuff on the side. But uh, so here's what I thought of: I would do an actual play podcast with uh, Steve from Old Gods of Appalachia. With him <laughs> the, the I love it. That's. That would be that would yeah. be your first pick. I think I think what Jason may have been fishing for here is I would do a Coed and Cambria slash pipe slash vinyl slash T 
tiki podcast with jason but really i think Wait, does just jason have like, a podcast <laughs> oh you know you're right it's got to be a podcast host right so he's next you're right. but ah that's a shame because i've got like a million ideas that i could do with that guy so bummer for him um uh if it has to be an existing podcast host i think i'm just gonna go dan carlin because whatever he does is going to be amazing. But he actually, in his latest uh, addendum, he actually talked a little bit about war gaming. So, yeah, if I could play some war games there with Dan Carlin, go. that'd be amazing. Just have him narrate them. Like, as, as I as I take activations and move armies, just, just have him narrate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, after, like, talking, I think it was our dinner, our dinner at Joe's, the patron dinner. Um, I think I'm I'm gonna give the Dan Carlin stuff a go after you're hearing you guys talk about it. Yeah, I um, would. Uh, so yeah, Ghost of the Ostfront is very good. I mean, that's like among his best. The World War One, which I think is called like Countdown to Armageddon or something, that's obviously amazing. And the Fall of the Roman Republic, I'd probably start with those. Nice. Well, I will definitely do that. Um, oh, I'd start a war game podcast with Adam Chance. <laughs> um, damn it, I had one more. I, uh, but I, I like as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, because I think, like, if you join the Old Gods of Appalachia patron deal, like, if you join it a ridiculous level, you can like get in their RPG sessions. I was like, oh, really? Cool so, do they play RPG- Call of Cthulhu or do they play something else? I don't know what they play, and huh. I, I don't know if they record them. I just know like. Yeah. you can join their games but i was like damn that would be something with that guy or just like i don't know because then i just wanted to tell me stories which isn't really doing a podcast with him it's just like me right listening to him tell me stories so i had one more but now i can't think about it it was probably magic the gathering related which no one wants to hear about all right uh let's suck the gmt update because i think there's just two new games right yeah only two new ones um Neither of them really jump out at me. There is a new 18xx game, 18 India. So okay, is that looks... an existing thing? Do you know about that, or is that something? I new? do not. Okay. I I know nothing about it. I'm not going to pretend to. Okay. But I am looking at the map, which is cool. I like one of the things that appeal to me about 18xx are the maps. There appears to be quite a few different boundaries going on. They're not solid red lines. Yeah. But there's these dashed red lines breaking things into different regions. I'm curious as to what those are all about. And then there also seems to be some Euro elements going on. Like, um, it looks like if you are run through a spice hex and then deliver that to a spice port oh, okay. or an opium hex and deliver that to Haldia, like you can pick up bonus resource yeah. points so it's kind of like some of the like the destinations that they have in some games and some games like you the coal can, yeah like you can have a miner markers. that enhances a hex or something yeah so that that it, it it seems to be a little bit more involved in this one like there's quite a few more resources um i would imagine like the purest 18xxers are like as eh, is too euro <laughs> maybe i don't want to speak for them but that's i can imagine them saying that uh, but to me, that just seems more appealing. And also, it may be more friendly for people just because, like, having objectives in a game like that that is mechanically simple but choice difficult. Right. Like, just have, like, okay, I'm just going to go for T. And maybe that'll just, like, it just gives you something to do even if you won't win. Yeah. 
kind of like 18 AL for a newbie. You know, you, yes. you get a railroad and you're like, okay, well, I know I need to get from here to here. Right. All right. All right. So uh, I like the map of this a lot. I will probably P500 this. Cool. And uh, then the other, the other one, one I have zero interest in because it's basically the same system, if you want to call that, as Fort Sumter. I tried Fort Sumter. I did not like it at all. So no interest. <laughs> oh, is that I was going to okay, I saw the event cards and I thought it was going to be like either coin or twilight struggle. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, um I've not tried Fort Sumter just because I've I mean, there may be fans out there. I've never really heard many good things about it. Yeah. Even though topically it sounds interesting. So the game we're talking about is The Bell of Treason, which is 1938 Munich Crisis in Czechoslovakia. Interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm scrolling through, which is probably super fascinating to people. I like the topic. I think it's cool that they've done that. Uh, looks like a solitary game. Is it solitary? So, well, it's at least very solitary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I took a look at it. It it looked like Fort Sumter, and I skimmed over it, and I said it was sort of. Not same system, but yeah, based on or related to Fort Sumter or whatever. And I thought, eh, I'm done. I like Mark Herman. I like a lot of his games. That's not one of them. <laughs> Let's see. And then the only new thing about to come out is Absolute War. Looks like that's charging now. Everything else is MBT and yeah. Normandy 44. Are you, are you getting Absolute War? No. Okay. I do like the Looks map like they're just cool. showing for Into the Woods. That's one that I've got on my P500, just because I'm a big fan of the Battle of Shiloh. Map looks really nice. They've got a back of the box, so and that's got like a picture of the map on it. That looks good. Oh, they got some near. Yeah, they got some other Twilight Struggle expansion. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Salerno. Do you ever? Right. Yeah. Do you ever try to guess at the future games? No. <laughs> Strategy game set in the Bronx. No idea. What? Sekigahara System. No. War of the Roses game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let's not blow over that. A, a game using the Sekigahara System? Yep. That's one of their teasers. That's been a teaser so, for a couple months. I think I think I remember that. I think one of the best things, well, maybe not one of the best things, but like the loyalty in Sekigahara. So I'm like, I'm wondering what else. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. Is it, is it Japan a hundred years earlier or a hundred years later, or is it totally something different? I have no yeah. idea. I wonder, like, what other conflicts had like betrayals like that? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a strategy game set in the Bronx, Bronx sounds interesting. That could be a lot of different things. War of the Roses games could be bad, could be good. Uh, fast playing game set during the Cold War, fine, whatever. Yeah. And I wonder if that's new. a new fast action battles game or something else. Uh, I. What's that game like? There's a short Twilight Struggle esque game that's. Oh not made yeah, by like uh, Horn of Africa Thir- or something like that. No, 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 no. Not. Uh, it's like 13 hours or something. Oh 13. yeah, yeah, 13 hours, yeah, or 13 it's, days it, or. Yeah. 13 days. That's what I'm thinking of, and it's it's made by Jolly Roger Games. It's not made by GMT. Like, is it going to be something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then what was the Oh, new coin new game. New coin yeah. game. 
We'll just sure. stop there. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Okay, so there you go. There's the very enthusiastic. Hundred years update. from now, everything will be a coin game. <laughs> um, so there's going to be something that comes out, and I've got plenty of stuff on the P500 list. It's, uh, but also I'm kind of just like, man, I've got so much shit to play. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I really haven't. I, I picked up a couple games this month. Well, three, including the one I bought from Adam. But um, one was, you know, not P500, but pre-ordered from MMP. The other one I did pick up because it was something new. But for the most part, I really am trying to dig into the stuff that I've already got. I'm trying to... I So I'm back over on the list of things we were anticipating for 2021. Uh, so there's some ASL stuff I think we're both waiting on, like Rising Sun. Oh, absolutely. Um, other than that, big things we have Into the Woods, which you mentioned. That's yep. the Shiloh game. Solarno 43. Yep, still coming. Um, Hopefully. A lot of the stuff, I mean, right now, I know there are production and shipping issues that are delaying things. Sure. Slarno into the woods. You had Warsaw Pact Air Commander. Oh yeah, yeah, that's out there somewhere. That's the uh, follow-up to NATO Air Commander. Oh okay. Uh, Pacific War. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll be cool. this year. I... Okay. I and I think I joined the P five hundred on that. Yeah. And then we get we have U.S. Civil War, which I think is close. And then uh, <laughs> Battle. <laughs> In volume two. <laughs> I did not put that on there because that's never coming out. It's all uh, you. <laughs> see, I put a Matthias Kramer game on here. Uh, Weimar, the fight for democracy. And then, yeah, so I guess, I don't know, a few of the games have been... GCC, we, so we have Onda Richmond 2 and Hitchrex North. Onda yeah. Richmond is not out, but Stonewall's Jackson Way came out. And then, okay, so not that much stuff has been crossed up our list, but... All right. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I don't, let's see. I put other war game news on here, but I don't know if there's any other news to talk about. I've been so out of the loop. I mean, Panzer's last stand was kind of the last, the big news that I've seen. Yeah. It's a nice looking map. I got it on my table here. I'm going to, I might, I'll probably punch it on Sunday and start clipping counters and pushing stuff around. You'll probably get to it before I do. All right. You have, uh, do you have anything else? Other nonsense stuff you want to mention? I don't really have any nonsense. It's been so busy. Uh, yeah. I, I, even my RPG is not that much. I mean, we're still playing Warhammer uh, 40 or a fantasy role-playing game, which we're having a good time. We're, uh, you know, that's continue on. We play that every other week. Uh, you and I, we played uh, Call of Cthulhu and we're yeah. still, we're still stuck on that train, right? Do we have... Yeah, probably one more session yeah, left. More session. It's probably not even a full session. You guys yeah. are so close to being done with it. It's just a matter of getting it. Yeah, I like it. I'm having a good it's time good with that. Day. I like that it's, uh, you know, and maybe that'll change, but, you know, it's not like there's demons crashing through the windows or anything. It's just, it's just like weird shit going on. And we're, yeah, we're yeah. Sh- weird <laughs> shit on a train. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I've got to get that rescheduled. The big thing I've got coming up, and I've got so much work to do for it. I just, I'm looking forward to things slowing down. Yeah, uh, is the Genesis Rebirth? Are it? We canceled the first two section sessions, like just because of one guy dropped, and then another guy wasn't going to be available on the second one. So we're rolling forward with three people on Monday, 
and that's the one we've talked about with like the insane production quality and you can download the rules for free and all that stuff mm-hmm. so i got some work to do between now and monday um, you done that on roll 20 i am i was gonna try to learn foundry ahead of time uh, uh, uh on the gm side not the player side uh, but I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. So I am going to just move it into Roll20 because we're playing a um, just like an intro scenario uh-huh. with pre-constructed characters just to learn like the lore is so deep and the rules aren't crazy. But I just like I want to expose people to the world and get the rules under our belt and then like start hammering the lore because there's so much to dive into. So that starts up Monday and then we'll have to take a break and come back to it um yeah the only other thing and i already touched on this and it was just, the part i was going to touch on was uh playing commander magic the gathering um well we hit on it it's the like and i think that was a big takeaway on the other stuff we talked about is just getting player interaction in our games other than oh you're moving there i want to stop you like oh okay my turn's done <laughs> Yeah. For the last two hours, like now it's your turn. I was nice and refreshing to just get stuff like that with all the other stuff I talked about. I don't think I need to say anything else about. I guess if you have a commander in your game, does it count as a war game? Absolutely. I'll, I'll just say that. Why not? All right. Next, <laughs> We're going to have next to put month, commander on our list next month. Yeah. Next month, we'll be <laughs> talking about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> nice. All right. I don't have any other nonsense. Um, and we haven't had time for nonsense. How terrible is that? No. I mean, we, well, we've already gushed about old gods. Yeah. Um, and we already talked about other books. Um, yeah, I guess it is what it is. Yeah. It's that time of the show. We need to we make more time for nonsense in our lives. I second that. We need a third person to... I guess vote for it. Yeah, we'll call so him the nonsense happens. commander. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back next month with a featured game or two. Yeah, see if you can uh, guess what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, if you want to have a game featured, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash history on the table, something like that. You can Google it. Uh, you can join. You can join our live chats. We're gonna have two in September, just because of what the end of August is looking like for for you in the upcoming weekend with uh, moving your daughter back, and then myself, uh, just a bunch of stuff going on. So we'll have two in the month of September. You can come hang out with us, or you can pick one game yourself and get it on the list, just like um, Arden's twenty twenty four. I was just staring right at it. Which uh, someone asked on Facebook about free setup games, and it made me think of that game again. Um, I think it was Clay asking about that. Yeah. It was. Clay asked about free setup games, and then I started to think about, yeah, you know what? Something that game did really right was free setup. So, you know what? If you've got a game that excels at, or like is made quite a bit better or a game you really enjoy that has free setup rules, let us know. Um, there's no real like comments to drop below because we're on a YouTube channel, but you can throw them on Twitter or you can join our Discord. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, History on the Table with Matt and Rich. It's not crazy active. Most of the conversation happens on our Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at History Table Pod. Rich? Uh, Trapeer Jr. Trapeer Jr. There you go. You can send us an email, historytablepodcast at gmail.com, historytablepodcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. Yeah, I think it is. 
Okay. Um, everyone have a great weekend. Yes. Find time for nonsense. Yeah, find time for nonsense. Find time <laughs> for war games. I'm very much looking forward to the next one I'm going to look at. Absolutely. Good night, everyone.